Okay, well, as I mentioned, uh, we are progressing along. Uh, we, uh, we are bringing back some classes, so we're getting closer back to normal. Not sure how long it's going to be before we really are past this virus crisis, you know, but uh, we're, I think things are getting better, and uh, that's a good thing. If you've been in our class or been watching online, you know we've been studying the Gospel of John, but some of you may be new to this study, and so that's a good thing. Gospel of John is uh, one of my favorite books. Well, all the Gospels should be your favorites, right? But it's different than the other Gospels, right? We call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptics for a reason. They're, they're very similar in the events that they portray in, in the chronological order of things. Uh, they're, they're meant to be to different audiences, uh, as far as we can tell. But John's very different. John, um, ha, the Apostle John, tells us about some things that Jesus did or said that we don't see in the other Gospels, so it's unique in that respect. Very different um, style that's written. Uh, chronological order is not necessarily something John worries about. He kind of jumps around a little bit. And so you kind of have to know where you are in some places. And he spends a lot of time on the last uh, week or so of Jesus, spending time with his disciples, talking about what's going to happen, talking about how he wants them to be, talking about their future, which we've read, you know, they, they didn't really understand that, right? They, they're going, whoa, where are you going? What are you going to do? What's going to happen, right? And it wasn't, you know, we talked about it wasn't until after, after things happened, after he was crucified and resurrected, that they really started to get it. And of course, he sent the, the, the Holy Spirit to them to help them, to help them understand things, give them knowledge and, and special, special knowledge and, and, and ways to uh, begin the mission that they had been given. And last week, we talked about Jesus' statement in John chapter 14, verse 6, where he said, he, he's telling his disciples this, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he also said the only way, the only way to the Father is through him. That's a bold statement for one person to say, right? But we talked about how that if, if Scripture is true, and I believe it is, then you have to believe that statement, right? You have to believe that Jesus is telling the truth, right? And the first thing he says is, I am the way. And we talked about what that meant. We talked about how he is the only way to get to the Father. It's not through Muhammad, it's not through Buddha, it's not through living good life. You have to believe who he is and obey his commands and act on it. <clears throat> there's, um, there's no other way on this earth to get to heaven. You can't do it yourself. There's nothing you can do to get there. Jesus has, done, has sacrificed himself. God, Jesus the Son, the Godhead, they have... Jesus sacrificed himself that you might have that hope to have eternal life with him. We also talked about how he is the truth, right? We talked back in John chapter 8 where he said, I am the truth. If you follow me, you will know I am the truth. I am truth and you will be free. Free from what? Well, free from the slavery of sin, right? Free from this worldly nature that we have. Sure, we're in the flesh. We have to live in this world world full of sin, a dark world, a cynical world, but he is the truth, and we will know that by following him. And because of that, we have the life, right? Because of that, we can have that abundant life. We talked about that last week, how 
we can have that abundant life here on earth and, of course, in eternity with him in heaven. That abundant life we described as what? Having a certain peace, living a life that's peaceful, even in turmoil, even when things around us are just going wild, we can have peace. We can have joy, even, when things are not going so well. We have joy, peace, and we have that abundant life, a peace that passes all understanding. In fact, John said the reason he wrote this gospel was along those lines. And if you'll turn over to John chapter 20, and let's read it again, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. He, he just paraphrased that, really. He just said it again. He is the way, the truth, and you can have life in his name. Really, there is no other life, right? We're here in the flesh, but if we don't believe, if we just go through our life, we're just existing, right? Uh, we, we just, we're just here for a little while, and as I've said before, we vanish away. And when you think about eternity, it's not very long, is it? We're not here very long at all. Well, let's, uh, let's read a text for today. Turn, your, turn your, uh, in your Bibles over to John chapter 14, and we're going to read a few verses from the chapter 14, uh, kind of continuing where we left off last week, and we're going to get into uh, some more, some more uh, text today that we're going to talk about uh, with discipleship and what that means exactly. But we're going to start off with uh, Philip's response, and I read this last week, but Philip's response to what Jesus had to say last week. Chap uh, chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Now think about that statement for a minute. Here Jesus has been telling him who he is over and over and over, right? He's been doing works and signs and wonders in front of these disciples for days, right? Years. And yet they still don't quite get it. Have you ever uh, had someone where you explain something to them and then the next day they came back and asked you the same question? You had to explain it again and maybe the next day or the day after, same question. You ever done that? Maybe with your kids? Surely not with your spouse, right? I, just Friday um, I was working with a colleague of mine, a person I you know, I think, I think she's great. But Friday, a little bit after lunch, she was, uh, I get this instant message on my computer, right? I'm, I'm a programmer, so she pops up there and says, uh, hey, I'm running this job here, but it's not getting what I want. And I looked at it and I said, well, well that's because you're not running the right thing. And so I spent some time showing her what she needed to run to get the right thing. And I even ran it for her. Well, she got busy on something else, right? A little after five, 5.30 in the afternoon, I'm getting ready to log off. Jolene's going to go call uh, Lola's, who the Freemans turned me on to, to get some of those big old burritos. I was really looking forward to sinking my teeth into some of them big old burritos from Lola's. You know, Jolene calls them, I go get them. And I spent another hour or two on the phone with her because she couldn't quite get it, asking me the same questions. I love her to death. I, I was very patient with her. But that happens, doesn't it? We can explain things to folks, and they just don't get it. 
and then an hour or two later, we may have to come back and do it again. Right? It could be frustrating. What does the Lord say to Philip here? Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? See a little sarcasm in that statement? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, who does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believes me, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He's saying, I've been telling you this. I've been doing the works. Why can't you see it? Most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, wait a minute. Can you imagine Philip hearing that? Well, he's telling me I'm going to do greater works than he is? What is he talking about? I'm sure the disciples were wondering, what is going on here? Then he goes on to say, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more but you will see me because I live you will live also at that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The Judas Iscariot, not, Judas not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Here we go again. Jesus answered said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance. All things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so will I do. Arise and let us go from here. Jesus has great patience, doesn't he? He's continuing to explain what's going to happen. He's telling him he's about to go. They're going to be doing greater works than he's done even. And he's saying it's coming soon. It's coming soon. And by the way, I'm telling this now so you'll understand. He knows they don't get it yet. He's patient. He's understanding. He's loving. Sure, he could be a little sarcastic when they ask him questions. Of course, we, we do that with our kids, right? Sure, the ones we love. He knows what's going to happen. And he knows that ahead of time. And he goes on to tell them some things that will help them. 
when that happens. Beginning in chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. All right. There we're going to get into what the lesson is today. Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He uses that analogy so they can kind of understand what's going to happen and what they need to do and how they need to be. He's the vine. They are the branches. If you don't bear fruit on that vine, what happens? Yeah, you're cut away, burned up. We all understand that, right? I know a lot of you are gardeners in here, right? Or pretend to be anyways, right? Kind of like me. Kind of pretend to be a gardener every now and then. And you have to take care of the branches, don't you? The vine, the bush, the tree, whatever it is, the flowers. Sometimes you've got to prune it a little bit. Stuff's not bearing fruit like it should. That's what he's talking about here. In that same analogy, we as people have to be part of that vine, have to stay part of that vine, abide in him. Well, what does the Lord desire of his disciples? What does the Lord desire of someone who is a branch, who was part of that vine. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at a verse there. And I'm going to be jumping around to a few different verses here, so if you want to go with me, that's fine. If not, uh, I'll read it out loud. Verse 5 of Hebrews 11, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had his testimony that he pleased God. But without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay? So first and foremost, you've got to have faith. You've got to believe who he is. That's, just, that's not just a saying, oh, I, think, I think he's God. I, I. No, that's from the heart. He wants your heart. Turn back over to John chapter 8. We read this a, few week, a couple of weeks ago when we were studying in John chapter 8. Verse, uh, let's look at verse 24, 23. And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Pretty simple, right? What else does he desire? We just read this here. Look at the book. Turn over to Luke, chapter 6, and let's read 40, verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. 
And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house. They could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard it did nothing. It was like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Not only does he want our heart, he wants our hands. He wants works. Now don't get me wrong, we're not saved by the works. But if you're not doing anything, you're like that dude that built his house on the sand. Storm comes and you're blown away. There's something about the works that gives you that strong foundation. Gives you that ability to withstand things when they happen. Withstand Satan, withstand evil, withstand peril in your life, withstand sickness, withstand viruses. All those things can come and beat against you. But when you have that foundation that's built on a faith that works, you're going to stand strong. Works are an important part of discipleship. In John chapter 15, I just read there, what did I say in verse 8? By this, my Father is glorified. He's glorified by our works. I talked about it last week. This stuff doesn't make sense to the world, right? He just said, you're not of the world. It doesn't make sense to the world. So when you do good works, when you love one another, to the world, it's nonsense. To God, he's glorified. That's probably the only reason we're really here, right? To glorify God, if you think about it. What else would be the purpose? Good works. Glorify God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and let's just read that. <clears throat> you should see that too. It's a great. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10, but I'm just going to read 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As Christians, we're created for good works. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be about, bearing fruit as taught by Jesus. Glorifying God by bearing fruit is a mark of our discipleship, of our following of Christ. We've been appointed to bear that fruit. Otherwise, what happens? We just read it. Christ is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. What happens if you don't bear fruit? You get cut off. As branches that no longer bear fruit, whose end is to be burned. Now, we all know what that means, right? I don't have to spell that one out, I don't think. We should be bearing fruit. If we're abiding in him, if we are a branch of the vine, if we're living in him, you're not going to be able to help it. It's going to happen. Bearing fruit is contingent upon abiding in Christ. Verse 4, he said, we must abide in him as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Verse 5, abiding in him, we bear much fruit, but without him we can do Nothing. See, it's not just about us believing. We have to 
abide in him constantly. It's constantly something we have to do. We have to continue to be part of that, brand, that vine. How do we do that? Well, Galatians 3.27, when you are baptized into Christ, you have put him on. We put him on. It's no longer us that lives, right? We put our trust in him. We put our whole being, our whole mind, our hearts in him. I know those are kind of tricky words to say. Not so easy to explain, right? How that works. But he said, can't do anything on your own. You've got to abide in him. Abiding his love by keeping his commandments. Oh, wait a minute. I just read that, right? Go back to first chapter 15 there. Verse 9. I didn't read this. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. <coughs> if you keep my commandments, wait a minute, what did he say? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. <coughs> How do we abide in his love? Keeping his commandments. Jesus just said it. I did that. You do it too. It's not so hard. These things I've spoken to you, verse 11, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. By keeping the commandments, doing good works, we're going to have joy and it's going to be full. And we're going to have that abundant life. If we're just believing and we're not doing anything, you're not going to live that life. You're just, you can say, I believe in God, but if it doesn't move you to do something, what is it? Bearing fruit manifests itself several ways, right? How's that done? Turn over to the book of Romans. Let's read a verse from there. I think we're going to have bells today, so I'm still watching the clock, but maybe that'll help me get done quicker. All right. Romans 1, I mean, Romans chapter 1, verse 13. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Paul's saying, I wanted to come to Rome to bear fruit. It was just expected. It was just something he was going to do. He knew it. Winning souls is a part of that bearing fruit. That should be happening. Especially in our families, right? We ought to be a great example to our families for someone that doesn't believe or our children, brothers, sisters, parents, whoever that is, especially in our families, right? But even in our communities. We set that example. But what have we been talking about for our theme this year? Going and doing. It's not enough just to be an example, we need to be talking, speaking out. You know, we've had a lot of speaking out in this last year in our nation, right? Some of it good, some of it not so good. I guess it depends on what you believe about that, right? But I hadn't seen a lot of speaking out about the truth. Have you? at least not on TV or in the news or whatever. I think we need to see a little more of that, don't you? This world has become very cynical. Man. Uh, 
our families are being attacked, marriages are being attacked. Um, it's very disheartening, isn't it? We need to be ready to speak out. And we need to be willing to suffer any consequences of that, too. I know it's scary, isn't it? Jesus said, they're going to hate you just like they hated me. That's the way the world is. As disciples, we should be creating more disciples. That's just a natural thing. should be happening. Sharing with those in need. Romans 15. Please those in Macedonia. Paul says, please those in Macedonia Achaia to take up a contribution to those in Jerusalem. And if you read 2 Corinthians 8, he says they were poor. They were in their poverty, and yet they still wanted to help. They were thinking about those back in Jerusalem, believers who needed help. That's kind of the attitude we need to have, right? Even in poverty, even if we don't have enough to even do it, we need to be doing it. After all, God's going to take care of us, right? Hmm. Or do you believe that? Interesting thing, right? We should be get, uh, developing a Christ-like character. Turn over to Galatians chapter uh, 5. Let's read something there. Five and verse 16. 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, notice this now, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the Spirit, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does he mean by that? If you're led by the Spirit, you don't need the law. Right, you're going to keep his commands. You're going to live according to the law. You're going to live according to what God wants. You're going to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? You're going to do the commands. Those things are going to happen. If you walk in the Spirit, he says right there, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you do that, eventually you're going to not sin. Right? Oh, wait a minute. Eventually not sin. Well, we all sin. Oh, you're going to sin. You're not perfect. But you're developing that Christ-like character. So what he's saying is, walk in the Spirit, and those things are going to go away. It's not going to happen right now. Right away. But it's going to happen eventually. You should be growing enough to where things that are tempting, things that you struggle with should be waning, should be going away if you truly love Him and truly walk in the Spirit and abide in Him and are part of the vine. Those things should be going away. If not, that's something you need to consider perhaps. Right? Building that Christ-like character. Praising God and giving thanks. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Let's read a verse from there. Thirteen and let's see. Let's begin with verse 14. For here we have no um, yeah, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek 
the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. We need to be continually praising God and giving thanks. You wouldn't think that's necessarily a big deal, right? There it is. It's right there in the scripture. Something about that helps us to become more Christ-like, helps us to know we're walking in the Spirit. And by the way, we do that in prayer, right? We do that in prayer. We do that in song. When we're together, we should be praising our Father, our God, for what He has done for us, for who He is, how great He is. For providing for us, for saving us. And we need to do that continually. He also says there, we, we should share even when we're sac- we have to sacrifice to do it. I, I know some of you are very good at that. Even when you don't have everything you need, perhaps, you're still willing to give. And that's wonderful. That's what we're talking about here. As Christians, we should be willing to do that. After all, if you believe God is who he is, you should believe he's going to take care of you. It always takes me back to Elijah. You remember what happened to Elijah? He was getting kind of tired of having to go talk to these false prophets and these false idols and the people worshiping these false idols and all this stuff. And he went out in the wilderness, you know, and he got upset and said, if you want me to keep doing this, you're going to have to do something. And that's when God provided, remember that? Fed him all that stuff. You know, it's kind of like Elijah was starting, wait a minute, Elijah didn't, he never, he was taken up, he didn't die. But he, he was starting to wonder a little bit. He was starting to think, what's going on here? Maybe, maybe there was some doubt. I hate to say that about Elijah. I mean, who needs Elijah? But God took care of him. And you know what? All he had to do was say something about it. Ask. Praise God. Tell him, I need help. That's all he had to do. Have we read that before in the scripture? A few times. A few times we've seen that. We bear fruit in different ways, as I've just mentioned. Uh, but bearing fruit, as I said at the beginning, leads to that fulfilled, abundant life. Winning souls produces joy. Um, let's turn over to 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to read something from there. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and let's just go to the end of that chapter verse 17 but we brethren having been taken away from you for a short time in presence not in heart endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire therefore we wanted to come to you even I Paul time and again but Satan hindered us for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing it is not even you in the presence of is it, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that his coming for you are our glory and joy? Paul's saying, I came, I preached, you obeyed, and that gives me great joy. 
gives me abundant life, a fulfillment in my life. John realizes when he talks, he says little children, when he talks about his children, sharing with others produces happiness. Those who give are blessed. Blessed here meaning happy. Acts 20 and 35 says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You ever heard that before? A few times. Is that true? You know, when we're kids, you know, we get, we get birthday gifts, we get those Christmas gifts, right? That was a big deal. When you're a kid, you kind of live for that, right? You kind of live for those birthdays and those Christmas times and all, right? But have you ever given to someone so much so that it hurt? I mean, it really hurt. I'm not saying just, you know, you got enough money, you can give this or that, you know. It really hurt. And yet it felt good. You ever done that? I, I don't know that. I, I've, I've given things to folks and I felt good about it, but I don't remember it being something that was that hard to do. I don't remember it being all that big of a sacrifice. Perhaps that should be your attitude, right? Now, I'm not saying you've got to go out and sell all you have and give to the poor, but that should be your attitude, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, in fact, there's been times in my life when I, in my giving in church, probably wasn't what it should be. Perhaps it wasn't so much what I was giving, but my attitude about it. I wasn't putting that first, you know? And, I, and I'm not perfect, but now I try to think about what am I going to give to God first? I try to do that. I, I, I don't do that all the time. You know, there's times when something, I need to pay a bill. But I try not to ever think I'm going to cut my contribution because of that. Because I don't want that to be my attitude. My attitude should be God first. Perhaps you're not doing that. That's part of it, guys. That's part of that fulfillment. Part of that abundant life. If Christians are materialistic and selfish, they don't share, how are you going to know? How are you going to know what it feels like to give to someone if you're not doing it? Developing that Christ-like character does what else? It produces assurance. Produces assurance. There's a verse I want to read from 2 Peter. Turn over there, please. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is, this is a passage you need to keep in your heart. Let's see. Let's begin with verse uh, 8. First, uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his own sin. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do, not, if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What are we saying there? Growing in the knowledge of Christ, abiding in Him, bearing fruit, we have an abundant interest in the everlasting kingdom. 
you can know that you're a part of that kingdom by what fruit you're bearing. Now, I know it, sometimes we get to thinking, am I doing enough? I don't think I'm doing enough. I don't know. I don't know if I'm saved. Keep in mind, it's not so much how much you're doing, it's that you're doing it. All right? If you have the heart and the mind for service, you're trying to be more Christ-like, you're trying to remove sin from your life, considering that, and really and truly, more than anything else, having love for one another. John chapter 13, we just studied that a couple weeks ago, right? What did Jesus say? The world will know who you are by your love for one another. And we said that's, that's a Christ-like love, right? A sacrificial love. A love that's willing to do anything for your brother or sister. Anything they need. Many don't have assurance. Many of us wonder sometimes, right? Perhaps because your character really hadn't changed. And, you know, many of us were raised in the church. We were kind of already living the life before we became Christians, right? We, I've heard that many times. Kind of consider that, right? But has it? Has it really changed? Is it really where it should be? That's something we should consider. And we should be in prayer about every day. Be in the Word. Praising God and giving thanks, and this is key, produces peace. It does. How many times have I told you that? We, one of the reasons we pray is to be comforted, right? When we're struggling with something. Do you do that? Do you go into prayer and, and things seem to calm down? Your apprehension seems to release a little bit? Your anxiety tends to go away? Does that happen? Philippians 4, got to read it. I know you know it, but we got to read it. Philippians 4, if I can get to Philippians. Philippians 4, and of course, well, let's start at verse 10, just, just to do it. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. And this is Paul talking to him. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Hmm. Wow, what a statement. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You think Paul was abiding in the vine? You think Paul was a branch of the vine? Absolutely. That's what he's saying here. I'm in the vine. I'm abiding in Christ. I put him on and I'm bearing fruit. That's just what happens when you're part of the vine. 
Why is fruit bearing so important? Well, it's necessary to be a disciple of Christ. You're going to bear fruit, folks. It's just going to happen. It's necessary to be a fulfilled disciple of Christ. If you want the abundant life, you're going to bear fruit. How do we do it? By keeping his commands and by producing fruit that glorifies the Father. Simple as that. Maybe it don't sound easy to you, and maybe that's because your faith maybe isn't where it needs to be. So I would urge you today, if you haven't put all your trust into him, and I, I'm not going to give you an invitation. I've got to quit doing that. But seriously, if your trust is not in all of him, you're not all in, you need to get there so you can have that abundant life. All right, I didn't hear the bell, and I'm way past time, so time is way past time. Thanks.